I want to uh, I want to begin this morning by setting the stage as best I can for the lesson today. And in fact, I told the group uh, at the first service that I had my sermon uh, prepared. Tina and I've been uh, out of town for this week, and and I had my sermon ready to go. And as the week progressed, I just had this on my heart, and uh, so switched gears. But I want to try to set the stage with where we want to go this morning with the idea of being committed to the church. And you see the subline there, Christianity or religion. For several of us who are older and who grew up with strong church-going families, the church was a very important part of our lives. For example, when we would travel, whether it was Sunday night or Wednesday night, I knew growing up that part of those travel plans involved finding out uh, where the closest church was going to be to where we were and what time they met because on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, uh, we were going to be there. I also remember questioning at an early age why if there were a gospel meeting going on during the week on Thursday night, if we were in that location, we didn't go to that. And if I'm honest with you, I'm going to tell you I was thankful that we weren't committed to that level. But I remember questioning what the difference was. And as I have grown and as I have seen changes in the church, I have come to believe that sometimes it's easy to be committed to the church without being committed to the Lord. And I think sometimes our commitment is more cultural, more traditional, I think sometimes our commitment is more a matter of knowing that good people go to church and we want to be good people, therefore we go to church. And so the subtitle this morning hopefully is one that will encourage each of us to do two things, to ask two questions. Question number one, to what degree are we committed to the church? And then question number two, why? Are we committed to the church? When we consider this matter of Christianity or religion, there are several things that might come to to our minds. The matter of organized religion, and in fact, sometimes religion uh, has become a word, I think, that has become negative to us. But let uh, let me remind us, religion is not a bad word. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. James 1, verse 27. So James uses the word religion in a very good sense. And to me, sometimes the word religion becomes a a matter of one who's going through the motions, whose heart is not in it. And sometimes we can be committed to the church in a way that our heart is not in it. It's traditional, it's cultural. And sometimes organized religion, big religion, sometimes mega churches, types of situations become situations where we're going through the motions or we're doing something for the wrong reasons. Sometimes culture, sometimes tradition. And in Matthew chapter 15, we see Jesus scolding the scribes and the Pharisees because what they were doing was very much a traditional thing. Why do you do what you're doing because of tradition? And so the question we want to look at as we go into this study this morning is, so why... Are we doing what we're doing? Is it a matter of being committed to the church? Or is it a matter of being committed to the Lord? And as we wrestle with all this, how committed are we and how committed should we be? 
Now at this point you may be wondering, where's he going with this? What, what is he intending to do in this lesson? Well, I think it'll show itself as we progress. First of all, the church in 2016 is a different church in ways. And change takes place. And there's some things that should change and some things that should not change. I believe that the church in 2016 is typically more program driven. Some of that's good. Some of that's not good. But I think we rely on programs way more uh, than we did 30 years ago. I also think the church of 2016 is more protective and less evangelistic. Now this is one that troubles me a little bit. And and part of my role here at West Seventh, this family minister is very much on this protective side. It is the side in which we realize that Satan is attacking us and temptations and opportunities to do things that are not good are so rampant that it's easy for us to have to work so hard in building the hedge around us and working to protect ourselves that we forget about the need to help others to develop their faith or maybe to create faith. I think it's easy for us to be so program driven and so protective in nature that we forget the need to be evangelistic. The church in 2016 has greater challenges. Our world's a very different world. And in a lot of ways, those issues that our elders deal with are very different and greater in intensity in some ways than they were. I think it's also the case statistically that the church has less attendance-driven motivation. Now, these are not all negative, and in fact, I'll get on down to the fifth one, and that is the church of 2016 also has greater opportunities, greater capabilities, greater benefits, greater values in a lot of different ways. And I've mentioned two here, from technology to even traits of leadership, from having greater experiences and from having people who are more educated, more qualified, more capable in a lot of different ways. And I didn't intend necessarily to make this be a primarily negative list or 80% negative and 20% positive. And in fact, some of these are both positive and negative. But I think the church is different in ways. I do want to come back to that less attendance driven. I am confident that in my lifetime I have seen a change in emphasis to attendance. And in fact, I understand part of that. Attendance can be such a legalistic thing. It can be one of those things where we feel like we get our ticket punched. We feel like we go because we are earning our salvation. We feel this or we feel that. And in a lot of ways, that becomes lacking in motivation. So because of that, do we throw out the importance of attending worship? How do we feel about that? What do we do with that? Well, let's try to develop that as we go. And I think you'll see what I believe and where I think we should stand as we go. And as we do that, I think it's appropriate to go back and look at the church in the Bible. Now, this first passage is a rather lengthy passage. But as I begin to develop this sermon this week, and as I looked especially at 1 Corinthians 12, it just became such an important passage in this study to me. Because it talks about how we all are different. How we bring different things to the table. How we have different levels of faith. And how we even have different types of burdens. How we have different abilities and different levels of talent. And in a lot of ways as it described the church at Corinth, I believe it so well describes the church at West Seventh. 
1 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, start, uh, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Now, if you look closely at that reading, what we see is that we are a part of the body of Christ and we're very different people. As I'm sitting and looking across the audience, I'm seeing people that are so different in so many different ways. Some have been here many, many years. Some have been here as of recent. Some are very talented in ways that are recognizable. And some behind the scenes work so hard and do things that others never know about. We are not all eyes. We are not all ears. We have different personality types. We are different people. And that's the way God wants it to be. Colossians 1 verse 18. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now I want you to look at the second part that's underlined. Because that's where we're going this morning. Why is the church important? Why is it important for me to be committed to the church? Is it because of religion? No. Is it because of culture and in the South, good people are members of churches and we want to be good people? No. Is it because West Seventh is a great group of people and we want to be a part of it? No. The church and being committed to the church becomes important not because of the church, but because of Jesus Christ. Because of who He is and what He did. And if we are members of West Sabbath for any reason other than 
to lift up our Lord, to make Jesus supreme, to show that He is, then first of all, our whole motivation is going to be lacking. Being committed to this group of people is going to be problematic. Why? Because as great as this group is, and I love being a part of West 7, it's not about us. It's about our Lord. Ephesians 2 and verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household. We are God's children. We are citizens of His country. We are members of His household. Why does it matter? Ephesians 5, because Jesus gave His life for us, for the church, for the body of Christ, as husbands are to give their, their lives for their wives. Now, I want to spend the rest of the time this morning looking at seven reasons why it is important to be committed to this family, to the body of Christ, to the church. Seven reasons why it matters. And I want to talk before I go into this briefly about this matter of the pendulum swing. I do think it's easy for the pendulum to swing. And I think years ago it was so attendance driven, be there for every service, and I laughed earlier this morning with someone after the first service talking about, uh, in fact, she said, yeah, I knew exactly what you were talking about when you said if the doors were open, you were there because I had to go to song leading school. <laughs> well, some of us understand that. If there was something going on at the church, we were going to be there. But one of the things that happens is, as we see, well, there are different ways to participate and we don't have to participate in everything. And as programs and opportunities expand, it's not possible to do that anyway. If we're not careful, we can allow the pendulum to swing from being so committed and so involved to the point that we think we don't have to be involved in anything. And we'll be involved if it's easy. We'll be involved if it's convenient. If we're not careful, we will go from one extreme to the other, and generally extremes are not good. Why does it become meaningful to me to be a committed member to the Lord's church? First of all, because it helps me to understand family. As family minister, you would expect me to emphasize family. But the family that I'm talking about this morning is the family of God. The family where because we are a part of it, we love our Father. We appreciate Him all the more. And we appreciate the fact that God has made us His children. 1 John 3, verse 1, in the first part of verse 2. What a great thing it is, I'm paraphrasing, that we are even called children of God. Some of you know my dad. My dad's not perfect. My dad frustrates me sometimes. I frustrate my dad sometimes. But I'm proud to be called the son of James England. I'm proud of that. But see, I have a greater father than James England. If I could walk around without boastfully doing so and appearing that way to others by wearing a sign or a label that says I'm a child of God, that could be a very important thing. Because I am a child of God. The one who said, let there be light, and there was light. 
The one who said, let's create the sun, moon, and the stars, and did so. The one who knows where each step I take is, at the same time knowing where each place you go is. The one who knows every thought in my heart, every time. The one who has the ability to tweak things and people and situations. The one who has the wisdom to let us hurt when we need to and let us have things go well when we need to. The one who knows how to get us home if we will follow His leadership. There is just significance to understanding that the church is the family of God and how important it is to be a part of that family. Because of being a part of the family of God, I understand as well what it's like to have close relationships with brothers and sisters. Now, I almost got emotional in the first service. I held it pretty well. But as I looked around the audience, and as I looked in the eyes of some of those as I'm doing with some of you right now, I'm thinking about how easy it would be for me to approach so many of you if I were in trouble. How easy it would be if I needed financial help. How easy it would be if I needed a place to stay. Tina and I lived in Mobile and ran from those hurricanes and I'm touched in my heart every time I see something like Matthew this weekend. And how great it would be if we were in Mobile again to be able to head north up I-65 and say we need a place to stay time and time and time again. Wish you could be where I am because the relationships that I have with you all, I could go. Why? Because that's what church family does for each other. And that's special. And if I weren't committed to a church family that had other members who were committed to it, I wouldn't have that peace in my life. Brothers and sisters. And that's why in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, we consider one another toward love and good deeds. And while we encourage one another. And again, as I look out over the audience, I'm seeing so many of you that just encourage me. A lot of you guys encourage me in ways you don't know you're encouraging me. And I think that's true throughout the congregation. That's a part of in God's wisdom. The importance of family. And as a part of this family, I can't help in making Jesus supreme, but to become closer to Him and better serve Him because of this concept of being a part of His body. Now, it's interesting to me that God chose to depict us as a part of the body of Christ. I think we've heard that terminology enough that maybe it's not as meaningful to us. And I think had we never heard that, had someone said, you're a part of the body of Christ, it would throw us. But being a part of the family of God and the body of Christ is important. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, you're a part of the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part. Ephesians 5, 29 and 30, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of His body. Now look at verse 29 in Ephesians 5, the latter part. How much do you think Christ cares about those who are within His body? Measure it. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 to 100, measure it. can't be measured. Why? He gave it all. 
He gave it all. You see, this whole picture of Christ being supreme, this whole picture of why the church is important, this whole question of whether or not I should be committed to it, makes a whole lot more sense when I understand how important it is to Him. Number one, understanding the nature of family. Number two, God knew that working together provides a greater return. From Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 to 12, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. There's a concept here. You know what the concept is? The concept is this. That collectively, we are stronger and can do far more than individuals. By our being together, we can exponentially do more than if we remain individual and apart. And that's not that we don't have individual responsibilities. We do. And in fact, I was laughing as I thought about this point earlier in the week, having not thought of something in years. But when we were in high school, we got in trouble. A bunch of the guys got in trouble because during lunchtime, we'd go out in the parking lot of the car and when those Nissan B210s and Toyota Corollas were pretty popular, we'd take somebody's car and shift it by picking up the back and the front of it and shift it around, putting it diagonally in between two vehicles where the driver couldn't get out by themselves. Sound like something you would do? John Bennett, I'm sorry if I just gave your students an idea of something to do at lunch. There's no way, no matter how hard I tried, I could have picked up a Volkswagen by itself. But when you add Mark Bill to it, when you add David Wilhelm, Stuart Mitchell, when you add another person or two, it became a pretty easy job. And maybe Mark Bill, who had the state record and shot put, could have done it by himself, but without him, you see my point. In God's wisdom, He knew that we were better together. But we are not together unless we are committed. Reason number three, worship is so much better, so much more beneficial when we do it together. I appreciate so much the worship leaders. I appreciate the emphasis that is given to helping us to worship. And oh, how much better my worship is because you all help me with that. Tom Holland said years ago, the hardest thing that God asks us to do is worship. And I'll tell you, with my mind and how many pieces I have going on at one time, it is so easy for me to be distracted. It's so hard for me to stay with a song from beginning to end. It's so difficult for me to stay engaged with a prayer leader. But I want to tell you something. When I'm with a group of of people who are encouraging me and doing as we see in Colossians 3, verse 15 and 16, it's easier to be admonished and encouraged and lifted up. 
And I talked last night to one of my friends in Lewistown, Montana. And he had spent the day working, Jennifer with James and, and Hollis Carpenter and Jonathan Winchester and Bobby Bishop who were out there helping that church of about 40 members in Lewistown where Tina and I were uh, for a couple of weeks last summer. And oh, how excited he was that they were there. And how excited he was because of the work that they had gotten done. In that church of about 40 members, having had an additional 10% by having those four to worship with them this morning, or treasuring that. Why? Because it adds significantly to their number. It adds significantly to their worship. They are admonishing one another. And if I were to bring those 40 members here next Sunday and to put them on the front six rows here and allow them to hear the singing that you all provide for them, I expect for almost all of them it would be nothing they have ever heard before. And see, whether we realize it or not, whether we take for granted or not, it affects us. And in fact, if we just think of the music piece of that alone, it's amazing how music can so slip up on us emotionally. Music is a mood changer. And by being a part of this committed group of Christians who are striving to worship and sometimes struggle in doing so, we benefit each other in ways we just don't even fully understand. But number four, why should we be completely committed followers of Jesus and in doing so be completely committed to His church? Because it is easier to say no to Satan when I'm in a Christian environment. And I want to be very real about this. I think all of us, probably all of us, have been in situations where we're really struggling. We're in the valleys with our faith. Maybe temptations are really working on us and we've not been very successful in saying no. Maybe we have become negative. Maybe we have become critical. Maybe we are just in a low. And, and we come on Sunday morning and after a heartfelt sermon that Randy shares, a lesson that pricks our heart, singing that makes a difference, because of guilt or whatever reason it is, we sit here and we go, man, I hate the week that I've had. I hate that I sometimes do that. I hate that I feel that way. Why can't I feel like this all the time? Have you ever felt like that? I have. I do. Quite often. What's the point? Using pure logic, the point is, the more that I am around Christians... The more that I'm in a Christian environment where it is easier to say no, then the better I am. The more like Christ that I am, the easier it is to say no to Satan. If that is the case, therefore what? That's pretty easy, isn't it? The therefore is, give me more of it. I need more of that kind of help. It is the case that being around you helps me to say no to Satan. And if I take that lightly, 
and I don't experience that often, then it's far easier for Satan to have the upper hand. Number five, as I mentioned a while ago, by being committed to the Lord's church, I have helped with my struggles and my burdens. Look again at that verse Verse 26 from 1 Corinthians 12. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You know, if I were to have to confess to you tonight that I'm facing a, today that I'm facing a terminal illness, if I were to say that I've been given X amount of days to live, if I were to very emotionally plead with you today to take care of Tina, you would do that. Why? That's the way we are. That's what family is. And I think about these friends of mine, pretty good friends, close friends, that lived with us in Mobile. And a few years after we moved, left. And while we were in Mobile, they were always on the bubble in terms of their faith and in terms of their commitment to the church. And they moved to another state, and as they moved, they played a little bit with church involvement. But it didn't last long. And we've talked about it often, but for several years now, they just have had no church family. And I want to tell you, they're missing. They're missing something that is huge. And I see it. I see it in their attempt to be happy doing this and have peace doing this and their struggles with this and that. And it helps me to understand that God provides ways of peace for us that maybe sometimes we don't even realize until times get hard and then all of a sudden we are taken to a new level in our understanding. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. How thankful I am to be a part of West Seventh. I love this church. And it's not perfect. It has its stains, its blemishes. But Jesus presents us to God Almighty in a way that we love each other, in a way that our stains and our blemishes don't show. In Galatians 6 and verse 10, there's even emphasis given to this when Paul said, do good to people, but especially one another. I love that verse. There's no reason for me to feel selfish in realizing that you'll be there for me. How important it is to be a part of the church because of the help we get. Number six, why should I be committed to the Lord's church? Because in doing so, I show my family and especially my children the importance of the Lord when I make His church a priority. Now, I also want to be very real about this. Because as I was growing up and as we would travel, and, and in fact, I remember one of the most upset my mom has ever been with me was on a Thursday night when I was 18 years old coming from Florence to Columbia, Tennessee to play an American Legion baseball game. And I was old enough, I felt like I could make that decision on my own. And so I did. And when I got home late that night, my mom 
Oh, she was up waiting for me. She was very disappointed with me because Clark's Boulevard, where I was attending at the time, had a gospel meeting that week, and I chose to come to Columbia to play baseball instead of going to the meeting. Now, how far do you go with that? I'm not going to stand before you today and say that my mom was right for quite frankly, causing me to feel guilty for playing baseball on that Thursday night. There are a lot of different ways to look at that. But I will also tell you there was no question as to what was important to her. Didn't question that. I realize that that can become a legalistic thing. I realize that we can do it because of what others will think, what others will say. But I also realize after watching a lot of college kids leave home and come to college that those who decide it's important to get up and go to church on Sunday morning are those generally who from home had families who showed it was important. They knew that when the doors were open they were going to be there because it was that important. Now, I realize that things, as I said earlier, have changed. I also will tell you, it does concern me when our commitment to the church and commitment to the attendance of the church is such that it becomes, a, are we going today or tonight or not? And if our children grow up seeing that as a very optional thing, then what's going to happen when they leave home and go to school or have their own families? You see, it's important for us to show them how important it is to be committed to the church. Not because of commitment, but for the right reason. Because Jesus is supreme. Because worshiping our Father, because of what our Lord did for Him, trumps everything. And I know that you can go and take that so far that it is, well, you can always find devotionals. And if you go to this devotional and that worship and that Bible study and that and see this and go to this, that that would be all you're doing. Yeah, I realize that. I understand you've got to be reasonable. What I'm encouraging us to do today is to be careful that we don't let our pendulum swing too far the other way. That we are showing a high level of commitment to the Lord's church. And that we be as Joshua was in Joshua chapter 24 in verse 15 when he said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And number seven, the church is important because it helps to keep me anchored. The church is important because it helps to keep me anchored. And I want to paint it in this way. You know, God asks us to do some things that are very difficult for me to do at least. God asked me to believe in Him, to acknowledge His existence when I can't see Him, when I can't touch Him, when I can't know that He's present because my five senses observe His presence. He asked me to believe in His Son who died on the cross and to believe that story when I could not have been there when I have to read the words of the story in the text and hear it from others and believe it. He asked me to believe in a place called heaven and a place called hell 
that I've never seen and quite frankly can't understand. He asked me to accept the concept that He has always existed and will always exist. That in heaven there is no concept of time. It will last forever and ever and ever. There will be no pain. There will be no suffering. There will be no marriage. There will be these things that, quite frankly, in my very limited ways of understanding, I don't understand very well. I'm convinced that one of the ways we remain anchored to things that are difficult to anchor to is by being anchored to the church. Now see, I don't want us to place spiritual emphasis and importance to this building. It's kind of a cut up building to me. I still get lost in it. But it represents something that's important. And in the same way, if I get too tied to any one of you as my brothers and sisters in Christ, as my mentors, as those people that I put my faith and trust in, then I'm going to be... I'm going to be very troubled. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be disappointed. Why? Because as I will let you down, you will let me down. But this building, this group of people... These programs, the Bible classes, the children's ministry, the periods of worship, they help keep me anchored. And it is the case that life throws so much at me to loosen that anchor. It is the case that the church helps me to emphasize spiritual over physical or worldly. And oh, how much help I need. And it is the case that if I truly love my Lord, I will be committed to His church. And the part I play in the body of Christ is vital to my relationship with Jesus. Is it important to be committed to the church? It obviously is because the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3 was criticized for not being committed. And if for no other reason we have our answer here, commitment to the body of Christ is important. So, commitment to the church. Is it Christianity or is it religion? I think the Bible shows us that if we do it for the right reason, if our motivations are pure, if they're clear, if they are what they ought to be, it will be Christianity. If someone were to scale, in fact, if I were to rank or rate my commitment to the Lord's church on a scale of 1 to 10, where would it be? And if I'm a family member or if I'm a parent, I might ask the question, if I were to rate my commitment to the Lord's church or if my children were to do that, how would they rate it? You see, this lesson, and in fact, I've worried about this lesson not coming across in a negative way. I don't want to do that. Because what I really want to say is, life truly does loosen our anchor. Because having this and this and this and this and all these things screaming at us, and we usually give in to those things that scream the loudest, because that, 
it is so very easy without our intending to to allow the Lord and His church to become a place on our priority list that we just simply don't intend for it to be. Why did I change the sermon? Just to remind us. Just to encourage us. Just to help us remember that the Lord's church is important to God Almighty and it's important to me. May it be. If you're not a member of the Lord's church, not yet a member of God's family, a child of God, then today we'd encourage you to repent of your sins, confess Jesus as Lord, to be baptized for the remission of sins. And if you've fallen away, this church is a praying church. If you need help and you want to ask this church to pray for you, then come. We'll do that today as together we stand.